Hi there. You're listening to episode number two of the umpal.com podcast, the Pipe Stud Interview. Umpal.com is a great place to find interviews and other neat bits of interest for enthusiasts of fine pipes and tobacco. My name is Oli, and for episode number two, I'm very pleased to bring to you a phone interview with the legendary Pipe Stud. The following interview was recorded on March 8th, 2008. This episode is brought to you by Monjour International, which can be found online at www.monjourinternational.com. That's M-O-N-J-U-R-E international.com. You can find a variety of amazing pipes, as well as tobaccos and accessories there. I've purchased Ardors from Steve and my first Ronaldo recently, and each time it's a great experience. Check out Monjour International today and bookmark that page. I also have a special treat for you on this podcast. At the very end, you're going to hear Pipe Stud calling a horse race, something he does all the time. He's incredibly good at it, so you're not going to believe your ears. It's really amazing, so check it out. It's a whole lot of fun. Now sit back, light up your pipe, and enjoy this interview with Pipe Stud. Welcome to Umpal.com podcast. This is episode number two. The Pipe Stud Interview. I'm your host, Oli, and I'm very excited to have the legendary Pipe Stud on the line today. Welcome to the show, Pipe Stud. Well, thank you. I was only a legend in my own mind, and I'll <laughs> tell you this. You brought up Steve Monjour. I have a great quick story to tell you about Steve. I see him every year at the Kansas City show, uh-huh. and he called, he called me aside at the show this past November and said, I want to show you something. And he pulled out the biggest pipe I have ever seen in my life. It was an ardor, and it was absolutely huge. And I could not believe that anyone would actually smoke it. It looked to me like it held 50 grams of tobacco by itself. And he said it was a special order uh, for one of his clients. And, of course, naturally, every year when I go to the Kansas City show, I'll always sneak a pipe and some tobacco from Steve. He's one of the nicest guys in the business, and uh, I, can, I can certainly highly recommend it. Excellent. That's well. That's a heck of a plug for Steve. That's great. He's a great guy. Um, now, if by some off, off chance uh, one of the listeners is not familiar with Pipe Stud, which I can't imagine that, um, he's a regular contributor to Yahoo Groups Pipe Smokers Two. And if you don't subscribe to this board, I highly recommend it. Pipe Stud also has a consignment shop on eBay. My favorite way to get there, of course, is go to umpal.com, where you'll find him in the links area. And he's got a link there straight to his shop as well as a link to his email address so that you can consign your pipes with him. He always has a great selection, healthy mailing list, which makes consigning pipes with him a very good idea. Now, Pipe Stud, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into pipes in the first place. Well, gosh, Yoli, you're sure going to take me back a long way. I was, uh, I was a senior in high school and uh, worked part-time at a radio station. And the newsman who did the television news at that station, and we're talking back in 1970, uh, smoked a pipe. He always smoked the, I, I still to this day don't understand how he did it. He smoked Captain Black, uh, in a Stanwell, and he smoked that same pipe all day long, every day. Uh, so I'm not quite sure how it tasted to him, but anyway, <laughs> it smells so good and it looks so neat. So I asked him, uh, one day, where's a good spot to get a pipe? And so he took me over to a local pipe shop in Waco and loaded me up with some uh, uh, tobacco and a Danish Royal, which I think is a Stanwell second, which I still have today. And I uh, began my pipe smoking career. I'll tell you this, 
Uh, this is no offense to Captain Black, but I'm more of a Virginia smoker than an aromatic smoker. And my life changed uh, dramatically when I found uh, natural tobaccos that didn't have uh, cherries and apples and oranges and you know chocolate parfait flavors. So uh, once I once I discovered uh, more natural tobaccos without the aromatics, boy, I really got into it deep, and it just stuck with me. So for the last 35 years or so, I've I've been pretty much confirmed my pipe smoker. I smoke between three and five bowls a day. Now, do you do you have a favorite blend right now that you keep coming back to? Uh, one of the one of the folks on the boards actually wanted to ask during this interview, and and his name was Joe. Um, you know, what do you smoke every morning with your coffee? He's dying to know. <laughs> well, Ollie, I think he already knows the answer to this question. Back in 1985, and I remember the year very well. I got my first tin of Royal Yacht, uh, Dunhill, uh-huh. and uh, I, I got hooked immediately. And from 1985 until today, the first bowl of tobacco I smoke is almost immediately after I wake up in the mornings, and it's always Royal Yacht with a cup of coffee. And I have uh, 400 and some odd tins. I, started, I, I knew at last count a year ago I had 450 tins, but I know I've smoked them, and I know I've collected more. So I think I probably am still right at about 450 tins of Royal Yacht. And I think at age 55, uh, and I smoke about two tins a month, I'm not sure which is going to expire first, my <laughs> supply of Royal Yacht or me. Uh, well, now, would you say Royal Yacht's your favorite, or is that just one of your good standbys? Do you have, do you have a favorite? Well, I'd say Royal Yacht is uh, my favorite for a morning smoke. It's often strong, so I, I don't smoke it in the course of the day uh, or in the evenings. I like to pretty much stick with standards during the day, so I always take with me to work uh, several blends uh, that I like to smoke. For instance, uh, Cornell, uh, Cornell and Deal's Briar Fox is one of them. McClellan's number 27 is one of them. Uh, Esoterica's... Stonehaven is one of them, and another one that I really like a lot and smoke a lot of is uh, an everyday drugstore type of blend called Carter Hall, and so those are pretty much what my staples for the day, and I'll throw in a, a new one every now and again. I just rediscovered the pleasures of Escudo, uh, and I smoke some of that in the evenings, and, and uh, occasionally I'll smoke a little Latakia, and if I do, it's, uh, it's uh, most of the time going to be uh, Black Mallory, which is a Rattray's blend. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that Black Mallory a lot, too. Um, tell me about, do you got a favorite pipe? Do you always smoke the same pipe in the morning? Or you, do you switch them out? Do you take a number of them to, you with, uh, to work with you? Or how do you do that? Only I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty much a staple kind of guy. When I find something I like, I stick with it. Uh, back in, I believe, I'm going to say 1998 or 1999, uh, I had purchased a couple of Tonino Yakino saddle stem billiards uh, from the McCraney's Pipe Shop in North Carolina, and I really, really liked those pipes. So they, they seemed to smoke Royal Yacht very well. And also in 1999, I bought one of those uh, J.T. Cook Pipes and Tobaccos magazines, Pipe of the Year, and uh, it smokes Royal Yacht real well. So under normal circumstances, I'll smoke those three uh, those three pipes in the morning with Royal Yacht. There is a uh, Brian Ruthenberg Sandblast. It's a little smaller than than the other three that, that I occasionally load up with Royal Yacht simply because it smokes Royal Yacht so well too. 
Do you have any uh, favorite machine-made brands out there? Only there are a lot of pipes that uh, I really like that are machine-made. I think that Stanwell is, uh, you know, price-taste ratio, one of the best one of the best on the market today. Uh, Savinelli sure makes some nice pipes. I love smoking some of their uh, some of their older Corallo finish pipes. I also have a couple of uh, their old one dots uh, that they call Punto Oro, which is uh, Italian for one dot. And so uh, those are awful nice pipes to smoke. You can't go wrong with any of those, I believe. Uh, let me ask you something. How'd you come up with uh, How'd you come up with the screen name Pipe Stub? Well, you know, it's interesting. Back uh, when I was in high school, uh, CB radios were big, and so I was Superman. And I wanted Superman when I got my uh, eBay moniker, but it was already taken. And so then I decided, well, I might as well get something with pipe in it. And so uh, I started out uh, as, uh, I think it was Pipe, Slay- pipe Pirate Slayer or something like that. I can't remember. And... Uh, then when I started selling on consignment, I thought, you know, it probably would be a good idea to have something a little bit catchier. So I came up with Pipe Stud, glad it wasn't taken, and I remember showing it to my wife, and I said, look, I've decided I'm, I'm going to be Pipe Stud. And she looked at me and smiled, and she said, well, honey, I'm glad you're going to be a stud at something. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, tell me about your involvement on the, uh, on the boards on Pipe Smokers 2, the Yahoo group. Well, one of the things, only that I have been involved in over the years, I spent the first 25 years of my career as a sports broadcaster uh, and also worked in sales and marketing and things like that. And, of course, over the last decade as director of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, which is a nonprofit, uh, you got to do a lot of marketing and find innovative ways to do it because uh, with a nonprofit organization, funding really isn't fair for a lot of marketing uh, uh, marketing opportunities. So. Uh, I've done the same thing. I've taken the same ideas I use in marketing the Texas Sports Hall of Fame and some of the other uh, things that I've marketed in, in past years uh, with me with my consignment shop. And one of the ways that you get business, obviously, is personal relationships. And so I felt like if if I were able to join Yahoo 2 and uh, there are two other three pipe boards that I'm a member of, uh, interact regularly with them and make them feel like they know me and I know them, uh, meet new people. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many great friendships that I have developed over the last decade just by being a member of uh, inter- a couple of Internet pipe groups as well as eBay. And so in doing all of that, it just simply uh, helped me to have more fun with my hobby, got me to uh, meet a lot of great new people, uh, I learned a great deal about pipes and tobaccos, and, of course, it certainly helped as far as uh, my eBay consignment shop is concerned because a lot of those people uh, sent me their pipes and their aged tobacco to sell on eBay, and uh, those are opportunities I wouldn't have had if I had not joined those groups. And Pipe Smokers, too, the Yahoo group is just a tremendous bunch of people, and I've gotten so much business from so many of them over the years, I can't tell you how important that relationship with that group has been to me. Yeah, I, you know, um, on the boards, I mean, uh, I've gained so much, uh, you know, gotten so much information from just reading your posts, you know, here and there, and, and uh, you have such a wealth of knowledge that, uh, you know, when I saw that you you started to consign pipes, I thought, wow, that's, you know, this guy really knows his stuff, 
uh, you're really not going to go wrong with with checking out his selection. He's obviously not going to put anything out there that's going to hurt his business or hurt his name. So it's always really nice to kind of peruse your pipes over on eBay. You always have a really good selection over there. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Ellie, and it wouldn't be possible, of course, if it weren't for all the consigners. I, I must say, uh, I'm absolutely overwhelmed by uh, the majority of pipes and the kinds of pipes that uh, I've been able to sell over the years. It just, it, well, as you, uh, my eBay side right now, I think I have 50 pipes up, and I've got another 50 listed. And uh, for those who's on eBay, you know, do it right, take the pictures, write the description, set the things. Uh, pack the pipes up, get the shipping, send them off. You're spending about 30 minutes per pipe, so it's very time-consuming, and it does take up a lot of evening time uh, as well as weekend time when I get the opportunity. But it's been so fun because, uh, you know, working for a nonprofit organization, uh, no one has ever accused me, nor will they ever, of the rich. And so the, the one of the great ways to get your hands on and actually see in person some of these great pipes that you'd never uh, otherwise have the opportunity to see is by selling them on consignment. And so uh, it's been a great deal of fun. It's uh, given me a little side income that's certainly been helpful. And uh, I, I just cannot tell you how much uh, how much pleasure uh, that has, has brought me over the last several years. Now, uh, do you got any uh, favorite pipe moments from, you know, from the past or something that's happened to you recently or, or anything like that you'd like to share with us? I'm sure you got well, a you ton of them, but... <laughs> uh, going to the Kansas City show every year, I think my first one that was in 2003, uh, there are so many experiences and fun things that go on, and I just can't urge your uh, your podcast listeners enough to go, go to a pipe show if at all possible or be a member of a pipe club. Uh, there's so many things that have happened over the years that are funny. Uh, we've had we've, so many people that have become our friends uh, through, uh, through the pipe show and through the Internet. And I just have so many stories. I'd hate to try to single one of them out. Uh, I guess the I guess one of the funniest stories uh, that I could share with you is uh, you know, when eBayers, especially the new ones, they'll get on eBay and they'll email you the questions. And uh, I had a beautiful estate. Uh, I believe now I can't remember what it was a whether it was a Dunhill or a Ferndown, but anyway, it was a beautiful estate. Uh, burned down or done to, and I had taken all the pictures. And when I listed it, I said, "This is a beautiful estate, burned down, three bark, three star bark finished, blah blah blah." And uh, the eBay that bought it was was uh, brand new, or he'd had like or two feedback. And so he won the pipe. I sent it to him, and then I got a an email about a week later after the pipe had arrived, and he emails me and he says. I hate to tell you this, but I've examined this pipe very closely, and it has been smoked. (laughs) (laughs) And he wanted to return it and could not believe that I would sell a smoked pipe on eBay. Oh, that is good. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I guess you got to start somewhere. Unfortunately, he had to start with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky me. Yeah. <laughs> so I just emailed him, and I said, well, believe it or not, uh, you, you know, when I told you that the uh, the pipe was in the state, I just was under the assumption that uh, everyone knew that the state uh, meant pre-smoke. So if you'll notice, on every, on every description that I have of a pre-smoked pipe, I will say pre-smoked, and I took out the word estate. 
so I won't have that problem again. <laughs> now, uh, within the hobby, what are some of your favorite things to collect or to look for? And, and this could be pipes or tobacco, you know, tin tobaccos or anything like that. Well, you know, Ollie, it's interesting in our, uh, as a hobby, I have learned that a lot of pipe hobbyists uh, are collectors by nature. Uh, you'll see them collecting coins, stamps, knives, uh, pins, uh, things of that nature. And I have never, I have never gotten into any of that as a collector. I, I collect pipes. I love pipes. They have a magical draw to me. They just seem to, some of them will just absolutely call my name and I can be, uh, I can be broke and still buy the darn thing. But the, but the fact of the matter is, uh, I, I'm a pipe collector now. Back in the old days when I first started and couldn't really afford nice pipes, I collected tobacco tins just because I thought the tins were neat. And I had over a thousand tobacco tins, uh, in storage when I first discovered eBay in 1999. And a friend of mine was showing me how these old tobacco tins were selling for a lot of money. And I can't tell you how fast I went to my barn and started pulling out those tobacco tins and selling them on eBay. And I just told them because I thought, you know, the tins were nice looking. Yeah. So, uh, but actually, the uh, you know, I collect pipe. Uh, not like a lot of people would think, however. I've got, uh, I have two 16-hole, or is it 18-hole? I can't remember now. Two 16 or 18-hole Lazy Susans uh, that are, uh, I have encased. Uh, in a uh, kind of a converted entertainment center, and I would even have both of those filled. I think I have a, one of them filled and maybe three-quarters of the other one, and in my rotation, I'll keep 20, 25 pipes. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brian Ruthenberg, and I think I own 10 or 12 of his, uh, but really, that's about it. I, you know, I may have hundreds, and, and, and I'm telling you right now, I probably have 400 pipes out in my office uh, but out of that 400, maybe 25 or 30 are mine. The rest are consignment pieces. Wow! So you get that many consignment pieces regularly. That's quite a bit. Oh yeah, it's uh, it, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. But right now, when somebody wants to send me some pipes for consignment, it takes about uh, two to three weeks from the time I get the pipe to the time I can get them listed up on eBay. Used to. I could get them immediately and start listing them, but there's a waiting list right now. I mean, that's a problem to have, uh, but when you're getting 50, 75 items up a week and still a couple of weeks behind, you can imagine what you have in, in uh, stock. So uh, I, have a, I have a collector friend of mine who I've never met up in New York City, uh, collects high-end dunhills. He doesn't do the eBay thing, but every – Three or four years, he decides he's changing his collection from one direction to the other, and he just boxes them up and sends them. And, uh, and other people who are Dunhill collectors see those kinds of pipes, and they'll buy them, and then they'll email me and ask me if I'll sell theirs, and uh, et cetera, and so on. And I mean, I'll get pipes in. Only I, one time a lady emailed me, and she said she had a about a 100 high-end, unsmoked, boxed pipes that her grandfather collected but never smoked that she wanted me to sell for. And of course, with visions of dollar signs dancing in my head, uh, I did the wrong thing and told her, send them on. Should have asked what they were. Mm -hmm. uh, they were unsmoked all right. They were all Dr. Graybo's, and they weren't in boxes. They were in those, they were semi-boxes, I guess. They were kind of those hard plastic pouches. Uh -huh. 
Wow, so I yeah. just loaded them all up and sold them in one lot. Got about three hundred dollars for them. I couldn't believe it. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's probably a little bit different than what you thought they might be, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I was, and then I'll never forget another time a guy uh, emailed me and uh, he said he had a bunch of old pipes and he never smoked and would I sell them for him? I said, yeah, you know, when you get over. Your uh, pipes are less expensive like that. I'll probably put them in a big lot and sell them for you that way. Otherwise, I just won't get enough money uh, to make it worth our while. And he said, okay, well, that's fine. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, I opened up uh, his old box of pipes. They were Costellos, Dunhills, Turndowns, Calais wow. uh, Bangs. Uh, <laughs> so I emailed him. I said, you know what? If you have any more old pipes, you think of me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you sell a lot of tobacco? Do you do, you do that? Uh, you store a whole lot? Well, most of the time what I do is, uh, and I have to be careful because of the eBay rules, uh, if if it is what I consider to be aged, uh, collectible, and that the uh, price of the tin is significantly higher than the you know retail value, then I put those on eBay. Uh, a lot of times people will send me tobacco that I absolutely have not put on eBay, and that's another advantage of being a member of several pipe boards. You can post it on the board that you'll have a lot of tobaccos to sell. Uh, you know, somebody will buy them off of eBay that way. But I do get a lot of great, wonderful old-age tobaccos in. Uh, although it didn't get a great deal of money, one of the most interesting things I got was from China. Uh, it was an old cutter top. Chinese tobacco tins still sealed. Uh, couldn't read a word from there, obviously, but uh, I thought that was a pretty neat deal. But uh, a lot of times it just kills me. Can you imagine, Oli? You'll get a box in on consignment to sell, and you open it up, and here are these old cutter top Balkan Sobranis, or the old 50 gram tin 759s, or the old Mick McQuaid plugs and cuts, and I mean, all of these wonderful things that I'd love to smoke. But you know what? There's no way to pop a tin and sneak tobacco and reseal it. So <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like you may have tried. <laughs> I, I, I hate to admit it, I've thought about it, but there's just no way to do it. And uh, so I put them up on eBay, obviously, and uh, I sold a, uh, couldn't believe it, sold a uh, cutter top, Balkan Sabrini White, which is my favorite, by the way, of the two, uh, $450. And I thought, man, I'm glad I didn't pop tin. <laughs> Um, how do you, in your personal selection of tobaccos, how do you choose what to, uh, to put back as far as seller and, and store and, and, and what you'd rather just have out? Well, most of the time I'll, you know, whenever I buy tobacco only, I, I usually will purchase two or three tins of whatever it is, uh, because if I'm really going to like it, then I know I uh, can age the others. And I'm a huge fan of aged tobaccos, Virginia's in particular, because I know how much they improve in taste uh, with three, five, seven years of age on them. So I always do that. Uh, it may be that I'll find something I do not like that I thought I would. And uh, so I'll just uh, I stick those in boxes. And then from time to time, after they get a little age on them, I'll go ahead and, and sell them in lots and that sort of thing. But uh, for the most part, finding out the kinds of tobaccos I like I have found that uh, TobaccoReviews.com is uh, just an unbelievable source because I've identified over the years, I've identified about eight or ten people on that board uh, that post impressions of tobaccos 
who have tastes that are very similar to mine. So if they like the tobacco, then I'll know I probably will too. So uh, that site, uh, I would say more than any other as far as uh, information on tobacco is concerned, is uh, is outstanding. And I, I had a diary uh, that I had started uh, posting about tobaccos in the early 1980s. And once that site, uh, TobaccoReviews.com, opened up, um, I transcribed the majority of those uh, of those impressions to fit the format of TobaccoReviews.com. So I have a ton of reviews on there, and a lot of them are from uh, many, many years ago. And it's interesting to me because I hear how tastes in tobaccos change, and mine do too. And it's been interesting to me to look back over that site and see something that I posted four years ago about a tobacco that I really liked, and so I'll run pop a tin and uh, discover that I really don't like it that much. <laughs> how, you've got quite a few reviews on there. Do you, know, you don't know how, about how many, do you? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the exact number is. They have, a, they have a page over there where they have, like, the top ten reviewers, and uh, I know I'm far and away have the most reviews, but the main reason for that is simply because I transcribed several hundred reviews from uh, uh, from that diary I was telling you. Uh, boy, I just can't remember what the total is. I know it's over 500. I just I just don't know what the total is. Yeah, again, you, you are just absolutely a wealth of knowledge. I know that uh, I've, I've been to TobaccoReviews.com, and it's it's neat to see, um, you know, how many different reviews are up there. But it's always fun to see, uh, you know, what you have to say about different ones. And, well, um, I appreciate you saying that. I have fun with it. I try not to take myself too seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know somebody posted on the boards. It's been a while ago now. Gosh, a couple years, I think. And they actually went to your reviews and and took a look at some of the you know uh, best rated tobaccos as far as uh, your reviews were concerned and compiled a list uh, based on your reviews and then posted it back to the group. And uh, I took that and printed it out, and that's and that's you know one of the things that I kind of go by once in a while when uh when I go to the pipe club here in Atlanta to check out uh, different tobaccos over at uh, Joyce's place. So yeah, it's it's funny, and I'm sure you don't you have no idea how many people you're affecting when you do that. But uh, yeah, you're uh, you know a lot of folks really uh, look your way to see what kinds of things you have to say about tobaccos and pipes and stuff like that. So. Well, I know only there are several people who've uh, emailed me, and I guess I take this as a compliment to uh, uh, one guy emailed me one time, and he said, uh, Pipestead, I really wanted to just drop you a line to tell you how much I appreciate the time and effort and work you put into posting reviews on TobaccoReviews.com because uh, you've been extremely helpful to me in my tobacco selection. Every time you post a review and you like a tobacco, I know, hands down, I'm going to hate it, so I don't even buy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it's it's funny too how how different tastes can be very different from person to person as far as what they like in a tobacco and what they don't like. So that's that's always interesting to talk about too. Um, what are some good words of wisdom for the new pipe smokers out there that that you'd like to convey to them? Well, you know, I tell we have a, a pipe club here in Waco only. It's uh, simply the Waco Pipe Club. We started it back in 2000. Uh, I started it basically like I had told you earlier in this interview, trying to figure out ways to market it, so I did. And we've gone from uh, six people in our first meeting to 32 members 
And, uh, you know, we're a city of about 110,000 people. And so having 20 or 25 of those 30 members showing up every month at our meeting is, uh, is, is fairly impressive. We have a raffle and a tobacco bar and there's no due pay and no bylaws and no, uh, you know, official president, vice president, secretary, treasurer. It's just a bunch of guys get together every, every month. We have an upstairs smoking room at a local, uh, restaurant in town and just have the time of our lives. But uh, we'll get new smokers. You know, Baylor student Waco is home of Baylor University, and we'll get Baylor students and uh, other young guys in there that are just learning how to smoke a pipe. And uh, the biggest the biggest problem that most of them have is with tongue bite, and there are two reasons for that. Number one, they, they're smoking a pipe that uh, uh, may be very inexpensive because, you know, if a guy doesn't know anything about pipes and he walks in uh, to a store and he sees a $20 pipe and a $200 pipe and has – no idea the difference in smoking qualities. He's going to take the twenty dollars every time. I know I would. Uh, and so the two things that I always and plus the uh, the wet tobaccos, uh, the 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 two things that are paramount other than the pipe itself. Number one is how you pack it. Make sure you pack it evenly and not tight. And number two, let that tobacco dry out until you think it's too crisp. When you think that tobacco is too dry, that's when it's perfect. And you load it in your you load it in your pipe, and uh, don't pack too tightly. And I guarantee you, you're gonna. Ha- well, I can't guarantee you, but for the most part, uh, I can say that you're going to get a a bite free smoke almost every time. That sounds like pretty good advice for uh, the new guys out there. Do you have quite a few new? I'm sure you see a ton of new people on the boards uh, asking all kinds of questions like that. Yeah, and I never get bored with answering them. And, you know, you'll get a new pipe smoker who jumps on there and says, Hi, I'm new to pipe smoking, and uh, can somebody tell me the best way to pack a pipe? Or, you know, a a simple question that has been answered a hundred times. But the fact of the matter is, if you'll answer it a hundred and one times, you may help convert another to the pipe smoking world. That's uh, one more opportunity to share your hobby with somebody else. So, as boring as it may get to post the same answer and over and over again, the fact is I don't mind doing it at all because on down the road I may have won myself a friend uh, and our pipe-smoking community may have won himself another individual. So uh, why not answer those questions? So every time a newbie pops in and says, Hi, I'm new to pipe-smoking and ask questions, that's why you see me uh, being one of the first ones to respond. All right, you've been in marketing, so how are we going to get more folks to uh, come over to the pipe world? You got any uh, any ideas uh, to do that? Well, I think one of the one of the things that is very important, and Vernon Vig uh, and the United Pipe Clubs of America is is doing this, uh, and that is enlisting all of the pipe clubs around the country to kind of unite uh, in one fellowship, and that way there are more opportunities to share the smoking experience. Uh, and so I think that it's extremely important that despite all of these uh, smoking bans that are appearing around the country at pipe shows, that we continue to support the pipe shows. If we can't uh, smoke in the venue where the show is being held, uh, find other places to smoke. If the hotel room that you're used to smoking in is now a non-smoking room, uh, step outside. But, but please support those pipe shows because right now in this in this day and age 2008 all of the the majority not all but the majority of the pipe shows in this country uh, are continuing to be 
hugely successful, and we and we cannot afford to let these shows die out. And also, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine that you ought to subscribe. The North American Society of Pipes Collectors newsletter that comes out six times a year. Subscribe. It just brings the community together. It helps the community to grow. Uh, pipe Smokers 2, Yahoo Group, or any other pipe board you want to, uh, get involved if you want to. You know, I've, we've got a, we got a guy, member of our pipe club. He's been smoking Prince Albert and Dr. Graybolt for 40 years, and he's not going to change, and he doesn't get on the Internet, and he's just happy doing what he's doing. Well, that's fine. Uh, but, again, if, if you are of a mind to get out and be a part of the pipe-smoking community, uh, don't be shy. We'll welcome you with open arms. That's great. Well, uh, I understand you're on your way to Austin right now. Well, tell us what you're doing out there. Well, I'm taking my son for the first time with me, my four-year-old, uh, and we're going to, he's going to watch me call the races at Maynard Downs. I've been, uh, as I said earlier, uh, sports casting was my first career, and I still dabble in it a little bit. Uh, but I, I was a former announcer for the University of Texas football and basketball uh, in the National Football League, did the Houston Oilers, uh, broadcast uh, a lot of college uh, basketball games on ESPN back when ESPN first started in the mid-80s and things like that. So I have a real affinity uh, for the broadcast medium. And uh, about 18 or 19 years ago, when parimutuel wagering became legal in the state of Texas, the guy they hired to be the general manager of the track in Austin, Maynard Downs, uh, had heard me do a basketball broadcast. And, of course, in basketball you have to talk fast. So he called me on the phone and asked me if, you know, I'd like to come out and talk, uh, talk with him about maybe being their track announcer out at Maynard Downs. And I thought the guy was nuts. I'd never announced a horse race in my life. But to make a long story short, I went out there, uh, fell with it. And so uh, ever, ever since, I've, I've been going. And back I lived in Austin, so I commute uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. It's about 100 miles each way uh, during the racing season, which is from mid-February to about the end of May. And uh, thoroughly enjoy it. So, what kind of horse races are you announcing out there now? Well, they're mixed. It's a mixed meet, which means uh, the majority of the races at Maynard Downs are going to be quarter horse races. Uh, uh, they'll run anywhere from 250 to uh, 870 yards, uh, and then I have thoroughbred races as well. And I think a mile and the 16th is the uh, is the longest distance for that track for the thoroughbred. So we switch back and forth. A uh, quarter horse race normally takes 15, 20 seconds to call, and then, of course, you can do a mile in the 16th race. It'll take you right up to uh, almost a minute and a half. That sounds that sounds really neat. I'd love to hear you uh, do that. So what we're going to try to do is call you a little, call you back a little bit later once you're in Austin and see if we can record you doing one of those races. I think uh, I'd love to hear that, first of all, and I'm sure some of our listeners would, too. You know, the other thing I wanted to say, Ollie, real quick is uh, – what you have done and what you are in the process of doing uh, is is very important. It makes me feel good because a younger pipe smoker has taken it upon himself uh, to further the hobby for other people, and uh, you obviously have such great skills with electronics and a computer uh, that a lot of the pipe people don't have. I certainly don't. And so uh, uh, perusing your side and seeing what you're doing, uh, I anticipate 
that with the things you're doing now and, and proper marketing, it's going to be one of our important sites in the future for the pipe smokers. I really appreciate what you're doing. I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, you bet. You know, the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to get involved in some way. And I thought, you know, one of the things that I'd really love to, to have is a place where people can go and see a, just a huge catalog of interviews with uh, some of these folks that really mean something, you know, to the people in the community. And so if that means carvers, blenders, you know, folks like you who are just a, a very huge integral part of what the community is all about, I just want to stockpile that for us, you know, for all of us guys that are in the community now as well as for the future because, you know, there's some great stories that are being left behind and I'm, I'm, I'm very glad I was able to get that interview with Bjarne Nielsen just recently and, and unfortunately he just passed away just a few weeks after that interview. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. And I really hope the site does well. And our, our number one priority is really just getting out some really neat interviews so that people can go there anytime they want and just see a big catalog of great stuff, great interviews from really interesting folks like yourself. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll do everything we can to drive folks to your site, Ole. And again, you've got a great game plan and, and sounds like the execution of it. And uh, uh, what, a, what a prime example of the importance of what you're doing. Uh, Bjarne Nielsen, uh, no longer with us, yet uh, his memory and his thoughts about pipe smoking and pipe making and all of that are preserved uh, thanks to your website. So that, that's just a prime example of, of uh, the importance of what I think your undertaking is. Thanks a lot, Pipestead. I, hey, thank you so much for the interview. I'm going to let you get back on the road. And I cannot tell you what a great pleasure it has been to talk to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do that. You bet, Ole, and you have a good day, and we'll, we'll talk to you on down the road on one of those boards. And that was the ever-genteel Pipe Stud, a true ambassador of pipe smoking and a living legend of the pipe world. If you have pipes to sell, your best bet is to consign with Pipe Stud. Check out his link at oompaul.com. This episode, episode number two, the Pipe Stud interview, was brought to you by Monjour International at www.monjureinternational.com. Now, as promised, here's Pipe Stud calling a race. Enjoy. Two horses left to load and we'll be set. They're all in line and away they go on the extreme outside. First place back with a big start. Kitty Mock on the inside and Streaking Oak is there. Kitty Yard in the middle of the track. Here comes Righteous Dull. But on the extreme outside, first place back still the lead. Down the inside, here comes Kitty Mock back at him in a power finish too close to call. And then just a few moments later, after the winners were determined... And this is on the tote board, your initial finish, two, three, ten, seven. The two horse, Kipty Mack, the unofficial winner. The three horse, Embrujo Siloso, finishes second. The ten horse, first place pack, is third. And the seven horse, Righteous Dull, is fourth. Two, three, ten, seven on the board. Running time for the 250 yards, 13.69 seconds.